Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Had I listened to all those people, we don't have this conversation right now. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. From Cleveland, Ohio, he is the only professional wrestler with cerebral palsy, the handicap hero, Gregory Put on your spandex, lace up your boots, wrap your wrists, hide your razor blade, head to gorilla position. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm a big fan of the beard. Oh, thanks, man. I, I'm uh, I'm getting to the point where it's like, um, it's. You know, the grays are coming in, and uh, I usually don't grow it this long, but uh, I'm doing this angle um, at GCW um, with, like, Ricky Shane Page and these guys, and it's like, uh, I feel like I have to be committed to it now because everyone looks very rugged uh, and, 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 and punk rock, and, like, I'm very not. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta keep this, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm very new metal from the early 2000s, you know, so I, but I have to, I gotta look the part, I guess, you know? Are you, are you putting time into grooming it though? Uh, not myself. So here's the thing. So like, usually when the, when the beard gets long, I get lazy and pissed. Cause like, I don't know exactly how to trim it. Like without like a, like an electric razor. So I've been going to this barber where I'm like, can you like trim my beard? And also I'm not paying for the haircuts either. So like, I, I literally drive to Chicago to wrestle and there's this girl there who likes me. So I'm like, she's at a barber shop. So I'm like, can you cut my hair for free? And she's like, sure. And then I'm like, can you trim my beard for free? She's oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. See, that's but, the, and it's great. You find a barber that you can trust because I've had that yeah. before, Greg. Where I've gone to and I've asked them to do my beard as well, and they yeah. they've pretty much got rid of it. And I've had to go mm. no. And you, and you promise when I don't know, when you have that. Have you ever had a bad haircut when you've when they've shown you how's your hair and you've gone this is a terrible haircut because you can't physically. I find whether it's a British thing I don't know you can't do it when someone gives you a bad yeah. haircut and they go is that all right for you you always go yeah that's great cheers. It's... Yeah, but inside you're like dying because it's like you know like I I'm like especially now like I'm I've been thinning in the front for a while and it's not like incredibly apparent but like it needs to be cut a certain way to where it's like i don't look like a balding freak so i'm like you know there's been times where it's like 
yeah. And I'm just like, oh, God, I got to wear this hat for sure every day for the next three weeks until this grows back. But usually I actually have Gargano's mom cut my hair, but like she's very uh, she's not very modern with the hairstyles, which is why it's it's nice that this chick in Chicago can cut my hair because she can only do it like a, a couple certain ways, but she can't do like fades or whatever the crap kids are doing these days. So it's just whatever as long as it's free I guess. when you said that i had the image of johnny gargano's mum putting a bowl on your head and cutting round it and no, no bowl but there's there, i'm usually surrounded by several cats uh <laughs> roaming around so what we're gonna do today gregory is uh we're gonna send you on a desert island and oh, no. on, we're gonna give you a dvdr i burn you a disc because we're in the 90s we're gonna burn okay. you a disc uh of your three favorite wrestling matches of all time stuff that you can watch over and over again whilst you're on said island so what's your first match gonna be then gregory oh boy it's such a um tough choice i i feel like um I, you know, I've always been a big uh, WWE, WWF kid. Um, and sometimes, if I can be honest, lately, uh, past few years, the product is a little little tough to watch at times, uh, especially being a, a grown man and with so much content out there uh, to consume. Uh, it's sometimes hard to find time for Raw and SmackDown and all that stuff. Um, I, if I was a 13-year-old kid, though, I would be in heaven with all the content oh, out there, right? Gosh, absolutely. I, I I don't know. I've always been like diehard WWE, so I feel like these three matches are going to end up being WWE matches. And there's so many like options and choices. I mean, uh, you know, uh, when I think of like some of my favorite guys, um, obviously one of my first favorite wrestlers was Hulk Hogan, um, which is a wrestler that I don't wrestle like at all. Now that I'm a performer and I've like understood psychology and stuff. Um, the only thing that I really have taken from Hulk Hogan is the fact that, um, which has helped me a lot. Um, he didn't do a million moves and coming up, I was training with Johnny Gargano and, uh, a lot of the times it would be, be, uh, just, Gargano and I at training and there would always be this pressure of um well I need uh I need three new moves this week because Johnny Gargano has three new moves right and then I would do three of the crappiest moves of all time uh that I couldn't perform like a like a terrible drop kick which so if you go back and look at very very old Gregory Iron stuff if you see me do a drop kick it's the worst thing you've ever seen and you'll notice that Greg doesn't do that anymore um because one day I remember Johnny saying like you know uh, Hulk Hogan is like your favorite wrestler. Maybe, uh, maybe you should not do a hundred moves like, like Hulk Hogan, you know? And I said, Oh, and then all of a sudden it made sense because I also love guys like Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho so much that I kind of thought to myself, well, if I could just take transitions and, uh, movements and storytelling aspects from like Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels or Kurt Angle, um, then maybe that could help me find my own style and then find like the, the, the 15 or 20 moves that I do really good, uh, kind of like Hulk Hogan and stick with that. Um, so as a sidebar of that, all that rambling, um, Hulk Hogan is one of my favorites. I feel like there might be a Hulk Hogan match in here for sure. Uh, then as I got older, uh, my favorite became Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I think that was because I was a uh, angsty young teenager, uh, angry at the world for my situation in life with my disability and stuff and not understanding like why I was given in my mind this curse. Uh, but now I look at this as a blessing. But at the time, you know, Stone Cold was like, 
you know, all about being against authority. And, and, and it was like the world versus Stone Cold or, or the WWF versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. I feel like sometimes like that was my mindset uh, in my stupid teenage mind. Like it's the world against Greg, you know? Um, so I really connected with Stone Cold. But then, of course, as I just mentioned, we have those characters like uh, Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, these technical wrestlers that I really uh, related to. And, and I, I really got into their style. So uh, that being said, um, if I had to pick the first match, uh, it's a match that I always watch. No problem. And I almost feel like it gets glossed over because of how good their feud was in 2008. Um, people forget about the original contest. I think I'm going to say Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 19. better than you, Sean. A man doesn't hide underneath the ring and jump another man from the heart. I'm more charismatic than you, Sean. A man looks the other man in the eyes. My skills have surpassed yours. I want to end your career at WrestleMania. Mr. Jericho, get ready, because I'm coming to fight. Why have you gone for the 2003 match? Uh, because it was the first, and I remember uh, just the the general excitement that I felt going into that match. And, and WrestleMania 19 in general, um, I feel like, you know, people always go to WrestleMania 17 as, like, the premier WrestleMania card, uh, for, and for good reason. I mean, it's a great show. Uh, but I feel like WrestleMania 19, um, arguably – is the best WrestleMania when you really look at the show from top to bottom. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Brock and Kurt, uh, Hulk and uh, McMahon, Rock and Austin, of course, Jericho and Shawn Michaels. Uh, I, I just felt like there was something on the show for everyone. Uh, if you ignore, well, I mean, the, the lingerie pillow fight was on there, or the Miller like cat girl uh, fight was on there. Mm. Uh, but when we ignore that, even the match with uh, Undertaker versus A-Train and Big Show was really good, I feel, for, for what it was. Um, but, yeah, in general, uh, I don't know. Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, like, the build to that was almost um, unexpected because the rumor online at the time was, like, you know, Shawn wasn't going to do too many more matches after his feud with Triple H. And, like, we were, we were lucky that we got not only his return at SummerSlam 2002, but then you had the Elimination Chamber, and then we got the two out of three falls, uh, three stages of hell match at Armageddon 2002. Um, so when we were getting this surprise uh, Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels feud, and then when, when they showed, like, the the side-by-side images of, like, how Jericho was basically dressing like Shawn Shawn Michaels when he first started and how much he, he idolized them and stuff. And they did the, uh, the spot together where they started out in the 2003 Royal rumble at one and two. Um, it was really a nice setup going into that match. And, uh, I feel like, um, with the atmosphere, uh, in Seattle that night in at WrestleMania and, uh, just, uh, just the storytelling of like them being able to match each other, hold for hold. And, uh, the spot that sticks out to me is uh, Jericho going for the uh, the super kick, and at the time he was doing that Jericho juke and jive. So instead of doing the you know stop like Jericho uh, or like Shawn Michaels, he does the juke and jive and then hits him with the super kick. Uh, it was just a great storytelling match. And then afterwards, you think you're going to get that hug, and uh, you know like oh you know what they they have each other's respect, and Jericho starts crying, and then he he knees him in the nuts, and uh, it's just a beautiful match. And I think because 2008 was so good. 
we oftentimes forget that we got that first encounter in 2003 and how special that really was and kind of laid the groundwork for what we got in 2008 because it was clear that Jericho and Michaels uh, had incredible chemistry. Where were you when you watched that first time round? Uh, you know, I that was one of the... Um, so for a long time, I didn't watch a WrestleMania live um, again from the last WrestleMania that I watched live was WrestleMania 10. So my grandma started ordering me um, WrestleMania's uh, WWF pay-per-views starting with WrestleMania 6. Um, I was very young at the time. So then I watched 7, 8, 9, and 10 live. Um, my grandma passed away in 1995. Um, so when she passed, um, I didn't have cable. So no one was really ordering the pay-per-views for me anymore. So if I had to watch a pay-per-view, um, I'd find a friend's house or um, – I would get like a $10 allowance every week for doing chores, and I would spend my allowance on uh, bribing kids at school. I would give them uh, five bucks to tape uh, the pay-per-view for me if it was on a Sunday, or uh, five bucks if they could tape both Raw and Nitro for me. Because uh, you know, Raw in the States, I don't know how it was over there, but it came on um, at nine o'clock and then uh at 11 there would be a replay of nitro so you could still record basically the live version of nitro so i give a kid a six-hour tape and be like hey just tape them both on me on there for five bucks um so i i would always get the wrestlemanias like the day after um but in this case for some reason uh, i didn't watch wrestlemania 19 um the day after anything i mean, as a grown man at this point um and uh I, I, the DVD came out. So when the DVD came out like three months later, I was super stoked. And I think actually that was the first wrestling DVD I ever bought was WrestleMania 19 and had like a, a buttload of extras. I think it had that. Um... It's it's bad. But the one thing I remember is they had all the Miller Lite Catfight Girl adverts on the oh, bonus DVD. There was plenty more. But the first thing that I came to was I had all the Miller Lite adverts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, so I, I didn't watch that until like uh, – three months later but like i felt like it was worth the wait like i said not just for jericho and sean but uh i mean that whole card was really good and actually as a little sidebar um you know i did stone cold's podcast um um, like three times now and one of the first times i was over there we recorded an episode where ironically much like we're doing now we talked about our favorite matches and uh i just kind of brought up uh you know the series of matches between uh austin and rock and uh I asked him in what order does he think he enjoys those matches? Uh, because for me as a fan, um, I would say it goes 17, 19, and 15. Um, and for him, he put 19 last. But at the time, uh, Steve didn't even watch. He, he had never watched back the WrestleMania 19 match because he said it was it was garbage. It was garbage to him. And uh, I, I thought to myself, like, well, that's crazy. But we're our own biggest critics as performers, right? Um, and I said, like, you should go back and watch that match. And then in my head, for some reason, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm building this friendship with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's my personal goal to watch this match from WrestleMania 19 with him for the first time, right? Um, and so I, I, I've stayed in contact with Steve. And uh, I actually planned uh, – I went to L.A. Um, right before uh, – what was it? Uh, this last October, I went to L.A. And I wanted to meet up with Steve and do a podcast with him, but he wasn't around. And this son of a bitch, right before I went out there, I see him post uh, online for an episode of the podcast that he went back and watched the match with WrestleMania 19 by himself. And I was like, you bastard. Yeah. Like, I – all childhood Greg wanted was to just watch this this iconic match between him and The Rock 
together for the first time. This bastard just went and watched it on his own. But you still we, can. We, we can, and it would it's still not be the great. Same, but you still can. We were supposed to watch him and uh, Triple H from Three Stages of Hell from No Way Out 2001. And uh, I don't know if you could tell, but uh, I I know a lot of useless WWF trivia. You know, I spent a lot of time not talking to girls and watching a lot of wrestling. <laughs> and so, uh, and, uh, You're my spirit so, animal, I believe, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, I, I remember uh, I did a little bit of additional research so I could like, really be prepared for this podcast with Austin. And like, um, I already knew I could set him up for his own stories, but I wanted to be like extra prepared, right? And so like day of, we, uh, we go to do the podcast, and he just starts talking about something else. And then like, it, it sucked. Like It was like unusable stuff that we were saying because like, he just – he, he went into some rambling about how he hates talking about politics or religion. And then we start this po- this podcast by talking about politics or religion. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I'm not a political guy. I'm not very religious. And so like, it just came awkward. He's like, well, this podcast sucks. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like, I thought we were going to watch, I, I, I thought we were going to watch three stages of hell, man. And he was just like, I'm actually dog shit. I hate it. It's garbage. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're the one that suggested we watch it. He's like, I hate it. It's a botch fest. And I'm like, that's one of the best matches of all time. Like, you, like you remember what I'm talking about, right? I remember it in a really long match, and it was yeah. the one where where they both hit each other with with equal plunder at the very end and collapsed on top of each other. But Triple H fell yeah. last, so he yes. won. Yes, yes. It, it, it was a great match, and like he's the one that suggested we watch it. Uh, and then like when it came time, we were like, he's like, no, we ain't watching it. He's like, next time you come over, you know, we'll watch it together. I'll show you everything that's wrong with it. I'm just like, I mean, I'm in my head, I'm like, okay, but I'm like, you're crazy for thinking that's not a good match. Yes, sir. Park over in front of the house. I see. I have a hard time parallel parking. You can't parallel park inside there. I, I, I'm the worst. This man. is fine. This is fine. I, this I'll, works for you. I'll just say a lot. I mean, just for record, I don't know if you guys rolling sound or not, but you're nine minutes late. I did not mean to be late, sir. That's a disrespect. I'm, I apologize. Not only I've got probably 20 years senior to you in the professional wrestling business, but I'm a global icon and a national treasure. To be disrespected like this yeah. by you yeah. is reprehensible. Now, you can come in, we can do a podcast, or I can send you a little ass down the road in this red sedan. Now, hold on. Let me, let me point something out. I have several voicemails from you where you say that you look up to me, and I'm an inspiration to you. You need some attitude. I was a king of the attitude era. Can I not live in the past a little bit? Parker, come on in. I am in awe of the beautiful bromance you and Steve Austin have. How did it come about? Uh, It's one of those things where um, sometimes, I feel this rings true a lot of aspects of life. Like uh, sometimes you gotta go through really terrible crap to get to really good crap. Uh, and uh, if it's even possible for there to be good crap out there, I mean, like, you don't want to deal with smelly poop, but you know what I mean in general. Uh, but, like, so I went through a very terrible breakup um, at the end of uh, 2017. I was in, like, this five-year relationship with this girl, and uh, I thought it was going to be forever, and it was one of those things where um, – we just weren't on the same page communication wise. And I thought it was okay that I was always on the road and wrestling. And like, we both very much wanted the same things in terms of like, we both wanted a, a house at some point and, and a family and blah, blah, blah. But like this chick was very simplistic and uh, she wanted that stuff like 
right now. And uh, that's really all she wanted. That was her dream. And I wanted those things, but I wanted it in this very psychotic way of like beating my body up and being on the road and like making money off of wrestling. Cause I didn't want to, she was a paralegal. Um, I'm a pro wrestler. I don't want to do something for the rest of my life that I hate. Right. So there's this almost like fear that if I don't do this now, I'm going to be saddled doing something that I hate. And I feel like, um, and I don't know how you feel, uh, when you do something you don't like, I feel like, um, you have this animosity and anger towards the world. And I didn't want to like one day take that off, take that out on my girlfriend slash wife, if that's what she became or my family. Like I, I just want to be happy with what I'm doing and be able to provide for said family like that. And so there's no communication, uh, in that regard. Uh, we broke up and, uh, it was hard. And, uh, I remember I had this moment where, um, I felt really, really low and down about the situation. And this was months removed. Um, and I had, I was texting Candace LeRae and, um, you know, cause I'm good friends with her. Cause obviously she's married to Johnny and, uh, I was just feeling really down about myself. And she said, you know, you should, um, reach out to Joey Ryan, um, and just go out to LA for bar wrestling and, uh, just stay out there for a couple of days and just get your head clear and, and do something that you like wrestling. You know, I said, I don't want to bug Joey. And then five minutes later, she texted me back and said, I text Joey, your book for bar wrestling. So I was like, okay, thank you. Uh, so that made it easy. And, uh, then literally the next week I was in Buffalo, New York, and I'm really close with, uh, Andy Williams at this point from, uh, every time I die. And of course, butcher in the blade on AEW now. And, uh, Andy was talking to me and he goes, you know, I just did stone Cold's podcast and he was sharing the experience with me, how cool Steve was and everything. And he goes, you know, if you were ever in LA, I bet you I could set up uh, for you to go on Steve's podcast because the producer, um, is from Buffalo and, uh, he knows who you are and he likes your story. And I said, I'm literally going to be in LA in a couple months. And so, uh, it got set up and, uh, it's one of those things where you don't believe it until you're actually there. And, uh, I got an Uber that weekend, uh, for bar wrestling. And, uh, I was so nervous pulling up to Steve's house because, uh, I don't know, it's stone cold Steve Austin. Right. And, uh, I have all these thoughts going through my mind and I'm, I'm thinking about my whole life as a wrestler. And I'm thinking, you know, if I just have one moment in conversation where like stone cold, Steve Austin can agree with something, um, that I say, uh, I feel like that's a victory for me because, um, I don't know. Sometimes I get down on like my psychology and stuff. And I think like, am I like, I don't know, is there something wrong with me as a performer, like, and all this stuff. And, uh, when I pull up to the house, I see Austin outside his house in mismatched camo and new balance shoes and he's just wearing these uh these stupid little sunglasses and he just puts one finger up in the air just saying like basically hello i'm steve austin you know what i mean like <laughs> i'm right here as if i wasn't gonna recognize him and i just started giggling nervous and i'm just like what the heck is my life right now and uh, i get out and uh, i introduce myself and uh like one of the first things he says like i've been watching a lot of your work kid you got a hell of a body and i thought to myself well, this is a victory. You know, if this all goes downhill from there, like Stone Cold Steve Austin just said, I have a hell of a body. And uh, it was just one of those things where the second we sat down, um, it just felt like I knew him my whole life. And I guess in a lot of ways, I have. You know what I mean? Um, but, like, it just felt so natural. And um, within, like, you know, an hour, uh, we were making fun of each other and uh, – uh, we started doing this bit where I'm just, I'm confusing him for Bill Goldberg. And, uh, it's just, uh, 
it made no sense. And it was so funny because the next weekend I'm on a show with Bushwhacker Luke and I was so nervous to talk to Bushwhacker Luke, but I'm thinking to myself, I just hung out with Stone Steve Austin at his house and it wasn't even hard. Like what's wrong with you? So like life is weird, but everything as generic as it sounds happens for a reason. And, and Steve told me that, uh, you know, after the fact, like I was like, I'd gone on a good first date and uh, I was like, do I text him now and thank him for everything? Um, And uh, I couldn't do it. And that night after the meeting, uh, before I went to bed, my phone vibrates and I get a text from Stone Cold. And he says like, hey man, really enjoyed meeting you. Um, If you ever need anything, give me a holler. And I really took that to heart. I thought to myself, if the arguably the best wrestler of all time is going to extend um, an offer to a friendship and help me. I want to take advantage of that. So I just started calling Steve and uh, because he's an old man, uh, if I don't answer the phone, he'll leave a voicemail. So sometimes I purposely don't answer. So then he leaves a voicemail talking trash about me. So now I have like these voicemails where, uh, you know, the second he saves them, I forward them to my email so I can have them forever because it's just like, Again, it makes no sense. Like, why is Stone Cold calling my phone and threatening me and challenging me to wrestling matches? Um, it's just been one of the coolest things in my life, and it'll never make any sense, but I'm just going to roll with it. Didn't you have a similar call from Steve Austin, David Arquette, and RJ City recently? This, uh, Where they uh, rang you and just, just berated you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this past week, uh, they, they, they called, and uh, I wasn't going to pick up. Uh, cause I was just gonna like, I'll see what the voicemail is. Right. And Ricky Shane page is my roommate. And so he's just like, pick up the phone. And I was like, no, I'm, not, I'm just going to leave a voicemail. And he's just like, he's like, what if it's something important? I'm like, Oh no. What if it is something important? And then of course I pick up the phone. He goes, I heard you dumb bastard. Why'd you pick up the phone? We're going to leave you a voicemail. And I was like, Oh, I can hang up. He's like, no, don't hang up now. Just, you know, now we're going to talk to you, you piece of garbage. And so like, they just, he just starts berating me. And then, uh, he said, uh, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, I don't know why though. I like you for some reason. I said, Steve, I like you too. And I miss your, I miss your sight. I miss your smell. I miss your taste. And he said, stop talking like that. There's other people in the room. I got David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, like and then David Arquette's in the background who I've, I've only met briefly once, but he's just like, love you, Greg. I've heard so many great things about you. Can't wait to get to know you better. I'm just thinking to myself, what is life? This is stupid. <laughs> I think away from that, I think the big question that people who are listening to this will now want to know, and, I, and I'm desperate to ask it, uh, what was what was Bushwhacker Luke like? <laughs> he, was, he was fine. I took a picture with him, but like we didn't have much of a conversation. A yeah. He's definitely as cool as Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> oh. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your second match for your DVD, sir. Well, I feel like with all the Stone Cold talk, I got to pick like a Stone Cold match, right? Um, So uh, I, I always... Uh, out of that series of matches with with The Rock, my favorite is WrestleMania 17, and I do really love that match. Uh, however, and it feels really generic to say this, and I it sucks that we're still going with WrestleMania matches here, but WrestleMania is a big part of wrestling, right? And some, sometimes it does breed some of the most iconic matches of all time. Um, I guess I'm going to say WrestleMania 13, uh, Stone Cold and, and Bret Hart. They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes of Bret the Hitman Hart then? Obviously, that's famous for the double turn. You know, I often talk about this now. Obviously, blood is bad in in wrestling, right? Um, Can't bleed anymore or whatever. And I get why. But I've, and I've actually talked to Austin about this, too. It's one of those things where it's like you go back and watch the match and the story those guys told. And um, WrestleMania 13 is not a very good WrestleMania. But that match, I think in a lot of ways, saved that pay-per-view. And you go back and you – obviously the most iconic moment of that match is the blood pouring out of Stone Cold's face while he's in the sharpshooter. And I often talk about – the importance of blood in the aspect that like it really changes the, the dynamic of a match and uh, really creates this emotional investment that like, if you don't have that blood, it, it's not, it's not there otherwise. And if you go back in time and if for some reason there was this no blood policy, which actually I think there was, and the blood wasn't planned in that match, I'm pretty sure um, they just kind of did it anyways. But if you take that element of blood out of that match, there's a big piece of that story that's missing and you don't get that iconic moment where the blood is, is flowing down Austin's face and that, that tight shot of him in the sharpshooter. And it really changes the drama involved with him passed out. Um, so I, again, I get why, um, guys aren't allowed to blade anymore on TV, but man, it really amps up the drama when it comes to storytelling and, and a match. And like, there's this, I don't know, there's this, um, anxiety that it creates almost like as a viewer, like I know me as a kid, like, uh, watching that match and like i wanted to see austin break free of that sharpshooter even though i was a big bret hart fan uh but i I could feel something changing and in that moment it's like you felt this desperation for stone cold and that want for him to get to the rope and there's that moment where for a second he does break the sharpshooter almost uh and 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 bret almost falls off but then he cinches it back up and then you know austin pass out and uh I, i mean it's just so iconic and uh yeah, you know, how do you, how do you get much better than that match? And and essentially that match, uh, in a lot of ways, made Stone Cold Steve Austin. A lot of people point to King of the Ring, June twenty third, nineteen ninety six. Again, I know that off the top of my head, very pathetic. Uh, but uh, I think I think when you talk in terms of matches, WrestleMania thirteen made Stone Cold Steve Austin. What do you think? Uh, I I all I'm thinking of is as you say that moment when he's leaning up and the blood's pouring down his mouth 
and his eyes are shut and it's almost like he's bellowing like a wounded animal and uh, it was the the fact that you know what it's one of those matches where there was a guest referee but it was so unimportant to what was going on like because yeah. everyone forgets oh ken Sharrett was referee and he said he yeah. suplexes bret hart at the end but people forget that because the 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 double turn that we saw was just so was just so powerful the whole idea of him not tapping out but passing out was really yeah. was really important there was a there was a, a show in blackpool on sunday where they we even re-referenced that and said we should, the, the, in the main event the guy should have passed out rather than tapped out because it's that you don't do it very often but when you do it right. it's impactful um yeah. that felt yeah that felt it was a watershed moment it was the best match of the night and what's funny is as well and and I'm sure this is the case. And, and you know, you've got the direct line to to Steve, so you'll probably know um, that match wasn't wasn't meant to happen until uh, just a month or so before. Because wasn't this yeah. the show where we were meant to get Brett Sean too? Yep, uh, and then you had that whole situation where Sean lost his smile, and uh, you know, they, then they did the uh, the uh, final four match uh, at the final four pay per view, and originally that was, I think, that was just supposed to be for um, the number one contendership for um, who, who was going to go to WrestleMania because of the controversy at the '97 Rumble. But of course, once Sean dropped out the week before, uh, now all of a sudden this final four match becomes for the championship, and then they do the the thing where Bret Hart wins the belt the next night he drops it to sid uh via i think help from from steve and uh that sets up steve and and, and brett and then of course you have uh sid and, and undertaker which uh not not a very memorable match in terms of match quality but it was the first time that uh taker won the belt since uh survivor series 91 and uh in a lot of ways you know if you were following the company at the time um Undertaker is becoming such a mythical and iconic figure. Uh, it was nice that uh, we get to experience that moment, almost like uh, Undertaker had really earned his stripes and he deserved this shot, no matter how long it was going to last at the WWF Championship uh, at that point in 1997. So it was I pretty think, cool. I think you assume as well that, like they say, like the double turn happened, but then it, Steve kind of drops back, not drops back, but he becomes, because then after that you have Cold Day in Hell where you have Undertaker and Steve Austin. And Steve yeah. Austin's very much ostensibly the heel again. So yes. there's, there's obviously a little bit that's still, like, it, it's not like he's suddenly like the, the beer drinking rattlesnake the night after. There is still that sort of transition period still to come before we get there. But I think yep, people do yep. forget that. With that particular match, though, with yourself, was that another one that you, you'd bribe somebody to tape? No. Uh, you know what? That was um, so that was one of those situations where I, I actually didn't see um, that match uh, until, I want to say, like, two years later. It wasn't until I saw that match in its entirety. Like, obviously, I'd, I'd seen that iconic moment played again and again and again in commercials and stuff, but... Um, uh, I got that on WF Home Video like two years ago, or two two years later, rather. Uh, I think maybe for like an Easter present or something. Like it was a stupid excuse for me to get a wrestling tape. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, all I can think about like it, and that's one of those things too where I think is lost now in this day and age where uh, you know everything's on the network or you can get everything streaming is like going to the store 
and having that emotional investment and commitment in buying like a tape or a DVD. Like when you go in and like you see the packaging, you're like, oh God, this is it. And you pick it up and you examine it and then you read the back and you get excited and then you buy it and then you take it home and like you're anticipating putting it in the VCR, or the DVD player. And like kids nowadays, they'll never understand that feeling. But like I had that feeling when I finally got that WrestleMania 13 because it was like this this holy grail, you know, that I that I I only heard about. Uh, I never saw and uh yeah there's there's a there's a bit of disconnect in this day and age especially with streaming because it's like there's no emotional investment if i start watching something on netflix or on the w network and it sucks five minutes in i was just like this sucks i'm gonna turn it off i'll never think about it again but like when you buy something or you rent something back when we were coming up you know like you had to be committed to it you spend far too much time now just cycling through to find something to watch. More time spent looking for something to watch than you do actually watching anything. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I I used to buy a lot of VHS tapes as well for wrestling. And I remember it was a, it was a day out with my dad and he said, you can go, but we'll buy you a wrestling video. And it was WrestleMania 13. On the back... On the one I had, it said it was a six-man tag. It was, and it said on the back, the Nation Domination versus Ahmed Johnson and Friends. Did you wow. say that? Because mine, I seem to remember saying it. And I remember thinking, I don't know who his friends are. Not in a bad way, <laughs> but it was just, it didn't advertise the Legion of Doom for some reason. I'm going to have to go and look that up now because the copy that I got, they came out with that WrestleMania 1 through 14. Oh, that uh, anthology thing. They came out with a box set. So oh, the, the no. label that I had had different packaging and everything. But I'm, I'm, so I'm pretty sure it didn't say and friends on the back because that would – actually, I don't think it had the match card at all. I think it had like um, those anthology tapes just kind of had like a – a paragraph or two about like what kind of happened on the event so yeah. yeah they do yeah it's it's funny i remember again i remember having that same anthology and it's weird how i remember they all had lovely decorative front and backs with the exception of wrestlemania 15 which was just in like a white case obviously they, yep. whether they rushed it out or not they just stuck that in there i randomly remembered that that's a lovely memory <laughs> i want to talk about your podcast i want to talk about iron on wrestling um, yeah, because you've now entered uh, the the world of podcasting as well. What made you decide to 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 start your own? Basically, dealing with with Stone Cold uh, after the fact, uh, we were talking about the feedback that we got on the on the couple episodes uh, that we did together. We did one just about my career, and then we kind of impromptu to did a podcast where we talked about our favorite matches and our favorite uh, wrestlers, um, and. Steve told me that all the feedback that he was getting from people close to him was they felt like um, I could be interviewing Steve. Uh, and he said, like, you know, have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? And I was like, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast. It's very oversaturated. Like, who am I? You know, blah, blah, blah. Steve kind of planted those seeds in my brain. And then um, this past year, 2019, was the first year that um, I took a gamble on me, basically just wrestling and motivational speaking and working without the net of um, – I've always had like a nine to five job, right? And it had insurance and all that stuff. And it was one of those things where another situation with a girl that I really cared about and was in a relationship with, she sort of pushed me to be like, why don't you pad your wrestling schedule and pad your motivational speaking schedule? And uh, maybe you should consider doing this podcast thing to maybe try to monetize that. You'll have so much time for it. Like just take a gamble on you. It was nice that she gave me that push. We're not together currently. And I think I would have had to do that regardless, but, you know, having her by my side to be like, just do it. I was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. And, uh, it was just one of those things where someone invested in the podcasting equipment for me. So I said, um, well, I guess I don't have a choice now. I'm, I'm going to do it. And, uh, I didn't know what the format was going to be, but I just kind of went with the idea that, um, you know, 
I'm not going to say that I can fill his shoes at all, but, you know, I've always been close with Colt Cabana and I reached out to Colt and uh, asked him for advice and input. And I just feel like since Colt has changed his format um, and he really shaped the wrestling podcast industry for so many guys, um, I feel like maybe there's this this hole that needs to be filled for some people that enjoyed that content from Colt, where it's just basically a wrestler talking to another wrestler about road stories and psychology. And I figured um, maybe I could do have that be a big part of the podcast, which it is now. Like I, I co-host with my buddy Aaron Bauer, who was a longtime commentator in the Midwest uh, United States for a long time, and uh, we just have a good chemistry. And we kind of set up these interviews um, in the sense that um, whatever I recorded on the road with someone, uh, I'll pick a subject matter or or something that we talked about within the interview, and we'll kind of expand upon it to uh, start the show. Maybe talk about my weekend, uh, past and upcoming, and then we kind of go into the interview. And it's just nice to sit down and talk with my friends um some of which that i've I've actually got to know in a little a little better through the podcast like dan hausen and effie just to be able to sit down with gargano and um share our psychology stories together that we've only talked about in private to be able to kind of expand upon that and um record it so that everyone can hear like our thoughts on like how you tell a story in a wrestling match. I think that's pretty great um, to be able to get the, that opportunity to do that. And um, I'm very proud um, in this day and age that like, you know, wrestling, uh, I don't want to say kayfabe is dead because there are these magical moments where we can still help people spend their disbelief, but people are very much smarter to uh, how everything is put together. And I'm very proud that despite my situation and, with cerebral palsy technically having brain damage like uh i i'm proud of the fact that i figured out how to structure a match in a way and it, and it has this artistic integrity about it that i love and i want to be able to share that with people and tell tell them uh you know that part in the match you saw like i thought of that you know like uh it's no different than like an artist and, and they're painting and like oh that that part right there i thought of it that at this moment because of this it's nice to be able to say i did this move here and we did this storytelling element at this moment because of this um because that's that's how i create my art and i want to share that with the world i want to be able to tell people this is how I, I put it together. It's pretty nice. One of the people who you've had on the podcast recently is somebody who you said um, was very much inspiration to you, and that was Zach Gowan. When I first met uh, Zach in 2006, when I was starting, uh, he was very mean to me. <laughs> like, I, I, that seems to be a, re- a recurring theme where like, you, yeah. you make friends for life who are just horrible to you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 pretty much. And, and so when I met Zach, like I, you know, he was the reason why I thought uh, I could be a, a professional wrestler. You know, seeing him on WWTV, and uh, I did an indie show with him, and I was like three months in. I tried to pick his brain. He just kind of brushed me off, and um, it, it sucked um, because I, you know, it was one of those things where I guess you never want to meet your heroes. And uh, we ended up uh, a few years later crossing paths again, and it was like I met a different guy. And it turned out that um, he had a really bad drug problem when I met him the first time. And uh, also, you know, he was younger. He was like 20, 21 at the time, uh, a little bit more immature. And um, basically, once my story started to come to prominence in 2011 due to uh, a thing I did with CM Punk in Colcabana during the summer of Punk where my story went viral and Punk as the WWE champion publicly endorsed me in Chicago. Um as I was doing more podcasts because of that, um, Zach listened to a podcast that I did. Uh, I believe it was Cabana, where I kind of mentioned meeting Zach and uh, how he was a, a dick to me. And uh, that prompted Zach to reach out to me 
and said like, yo, I, I, I'm sorry. Um, I was a different person. I, I can't believe I treated you that way. I didn't realize the impact that I had on people during my time in WWE. And he said, you know, if, if, if ever I could make it up to you and, and, because we live fairly close together. He lives in Detroit. I live in Cleveland, which is like two and a half hours away from each other. He's like, maybe we could start doing a tag team thing or something. And uh, I never thought Zach owed me an apology, but it was pretty cool that it reached out to me and did that. And uh, promoter in Ohio started booking us as a team. And uh, it was kind of off to the races for us in terms of that. And we started getting more bookings together. And it was one of those things where um, we realized that the, the, the sum of the parts was greater than uh the parts individually and uh we make these even stronger connections with fans and people with disabilities seeing that um here's this guy with one leg teaming with this guy with one good arm and what he can't do with two arms zach can do with two arms and what zach can't do with two legs greg can do with two legs and it's just uh you know our superpowers combined to to make this um unique and interesting tag team that uh quite frankly some some able-bodied tag teams have a hard time keeping up with us and and again it's something we take a lot of pride in that like we have uh, risen to the occasion and uh we don't rest on the fact that we're two disabled wrestlers we continually go out there each and every weekend to prove that we're just two good pro wrestlers and for a few minutes um we're gonna make you forget oh that guy has one arm and that guy has one leg this is pretty impressive actually so it's a pretty cool deal whilst your initial experience with zach wasn't great it didn't shape how you are with other people because i've seen like through uh, reddit conversations that you're very much a beacon of hope uh, if there's anybody listening today who may be in a similar situation you can say some words of encouragement that you can pass on to them. i think the thing that i always say um over the past couple of years is, um, and I think it rings true. Uh, I think about some of the best moments of my life and, uh, how initially I was so scared, um, to pursue those moments based on things that people told me because my whole life, um, having a disability, uh, particularly when it started to get in this unrealistic dream of being a pro wrestler, people just told me, you can't do it. That's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. You got one arm, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, had I listened to all those people, you know, we don't have this conversation right now. And, uh, just having this conversation with you is a surreal life moment that like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I ever really believed it. It was something that could happen. Uh, I think when I became a wrestler, I wanted to prove people wrong and, uh, say, you don't think I could do this? Well, F you, I'm going to do it anyways. Right. Um, as the story progresses though, and I start to interact with people and I realize, um, the impact of just being an open book and sharing my story open, openly and freely, like not only my disability, but, you know, dealing with my mom who had a, a drug addiction and, uh, the physical and mental abuse that I dealt with as a child. Um, I didn't realize that just being able to share that with people helped them realize that, um, they're not alone. And, uh, that's a pretty powerful thing. But this doesn't happen if I don't take that first step and enter wrestling school. And I remember that was one of the scariest things that I ever did in my life because I loved wrestling so much. I remember there was this overwhelming fear that I, I, I said to myself, what if I enter the school and I am terrible at wrestling? And what if I'm so bad that it changes the way I feel about wrestling? This thing that had, in a lot of ways always been my guiding light uh, and kept me so positive. Like what if what if I do this and I'm terrible and it just changes the whole, the whole, uh, aura and the whole passion that I have for it. Like, what do I have left at this point? 
But um, I didn't realize it then, but I know it now. The first step towards any dream is the most difficult one. And I'm not saying that it ever gets easier, but if you take that first step, the path never gets any harder than that first step. And I think that's the hardest thing that any person with a dream has to do is uh, is take that first step because you hear the naysayers and the people that tell you you can't do it. But if you could take that first step, it's possible to do pretty much anything in, in my mind. You know, you could, if you have the courage to follow your dream, that's something a lot of people will never ever do. I guess to summarize it, take the first step take the step as well as three wrestling matches on the island uh i like to spring this upon thee um you're allowed to take with you a movie an album and a luxury item so off the top of your head if i was to say to you 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 can choose a movie to take with you on the island what movie would it be can it be can it be a a a dvd with two movies on it yeah go on then that's fine as long, as long as it's one of those reversible DVDs from yeah, off yeah, of okay. the mid-noughties. Because <laughs> I, 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 two of my favorite movies that I'll, I, I can watch repeatedly that I watched millions of times as a kid, and I might get a lot of flack for this first one, um, Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. I used to watch that movie all the time. Uh, and if I could flip the disc over, Wayne's World 1, uh, the original Wayne's World, because it's just, it's just classic and all the bits in it are, are great. And uh, yeah, I watched those, those movies thousands of times as kids like right after school and uh i feel like they stand the test of time adam sandler uh admittedly has gone very much downhill since billy madison and happy gilmore and and those movies from the 90s but uh i think billy madison is a try and true classic uh as far as an album something more current that i'm listening to all the time um i'm a really big fan of these guys um state champs out of the buffalo new york uh area and uh they're a little bit more of a um, a sad boy type band, but uh, with some upbeat lyrics and uh, pop punk. And uh, uh, young Greg would be very mad at me for, for choosing a band like this. But, uh, you know, I don't want to hang on to all that angst and animosity that I had as a kid at all times. It's nice to go back to that and be able to channel that, especially when it comes to promos or working out, um, to go back to, like, I don't know, Disturbed or Drowning Pool. Uh but as an adult man, I don't want to feel all that anger at all times. So I think if I can listen to some state champs uh, with, with a couple of little acoustic tracks thrown in there, that'd be really cool. Um, as far as a luxury item, um, so I'll give, you, I'll give you a few examples of what people have, have given in the past. Um, Colt Cabana's taking a B-Day. I guess he wants to keep that area clean. Uh, okay. Nick Aldis okay. is taking a Jaguar. He's taking his car. Um, James Storm's taking toilet paper. There's a lot of arse related luxury items. It doesn't have to be so. Um, what else is everybody else taking? Um, Alison Kay's taking her cats. Uh, we, we don't normally smuggle livestock in, but on this occasion we are. Yeah. Um, so huh. there's a quite a broad spectrum. Uh, oh, David Starr's taking a body pillow. Um, who else is who else is taking a bed? Somebody else is taking a bed. But yeah, so it's it's a very broad spectrum. Jeez, it's so difficult uh, because like I'm thinking about it's like well, what what would I need in that moment? But I feel like you don't really appreciate it until it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like uh, yeah, I feel like at least because I mean, if how am I going to smuggle a whole bed? But I feel like we'll worry about uh, that. um pillow and blanket would be nice because if i'm gonna if i'm gonna stay on this island for the rest of my life i want to be at least somewhat comfortable i imagine sleeping on the ground every night is going to be pretty 
pretty difficult. So, uh, yeah, or, or um, well, geez, now that I think about it, see, now that I'm thinking, um, I don't know, does, does my glasses count? Because if I don't have my glasses, you, you can, I can't you can wear them. That's fine. All right, need, okay, now, We're not going to take your glasses off you and put you on the island. That's just cruel. Okay. I don't know if you ever, if you were a fan of the Twilight Zone, but I, I, in that moment, I just start started thinking about. Uh, there's an episode of the Twilight Zone where um, there's a dude with his glasses, and all he wants to do is read books, and his uh, his wife gets all upset with him, and so uh, eventually uh, something happens where the world ends up ending, and no one else exists except for him. So he's like, oh, now I have all this time to read all these books, and this would be the story of my life. Uh, uh, he sits down in the library to read these books. He's sitting on the steps and then his glasses fall off and his glasses break. And now he's stuck. No one left in the world. He has all this time to read these books and now his glasses are broken. So he's screwed. So I'm just, so I'm just myself like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'd be on this Island. Like no one bother me. Uh, I can watch my, my favorite movie over and over again. And then my glasses would fall off and I would, I would break or I just wouldn't have them at all. And I'd be like, well, I didn't think about this. This sucks. Cause I am blind as a body. What's your third and final match, Greg? Uh, man, uh, I feel like if I pick another WrestleMania, I'm gonna feel so generic. Nah, but I feel like I worry can... about it. You're all, all right. Good. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, but you know, uh, another great. Uh, I love matches that tell stories. Uh, and and uh, you can look back on and like you, especially as a wrestler, I appreciate it so much more. Just the. I don't know, like the, the beats uh, of the matches. Like there were so many matches that I watched as a kid that once I became a wrestler, you go back and watch them and you can watch them with this whole new set of eyes and have this deeper appreciation for it. And one match that always stuck out to me um, was from WrestleMania 8, which uh, was Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper. And I think that stuck out to me because um, Piper did not – have very many technical masterpieces i'm sure you know this uh but you go back and watch that match from wrestlemania 8 it's the best wrestling match i've ever seen piper in far and away and um the story they told that with that match was this uh there's these two two baby faces friends known each other for a long time and now they have to battle over this intercontinental title it was one of those situations where it was like um you know uh i don't care if you're my friend when it comes time for this match you know we're going to go to war. And uh, they did a bunch of cool promos to set it up, even the pre-match promo. This is the first time these two men are meeting for the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental title. Champion Rowdy Rowdy Piper, yeah! his opponent, a former IC champion himself, number one contender, Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, Gentlemen, we have arrived. We, we have arrived. You know, I got to say, first of all, man, I got to tell you how much I love your family. I got to tell you how much I love your mom. I know I told you I know this guy since he's been oh, knee high to a grasshopper. I know. I remember when they were changing your potty pads. I remember even when. Of course, you weren't potty trained till he was seven. But ah, everybody's got their problem. Tying, remember tying bows in our shoes when we were kids. Of course, your shoes were always tied together. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me because I remember when Mrs. Hart used to come down that she used to make them sandwiches, man. Throw on that bologna. Of course, only one piece of bologna. But that don't matter. I was hungry. Then she'd come up and she'd go to her nose. What is this? Yourself. Oh, keep my. Oh, this is nice, huh? Here I am having a little fun trying to make you at ease. Gonna have a nice con to keep him to yourself. Have a nice contest, and here you want to be a hero all of a sudden, huh? You want to be a hot shot all of a sudden. You want your belt all of a sudden. Is that the idea, huh? Look, all I care about is one thing. I want to win back the Intercontinental belt. You got it. I'm gonna take it. 
That's you right. keep your hands to yourself. Let me help you out a little bit, buddy. We can, we can settle right our Oh, yeah, you damn better we can. Right why do it here when I can have a million people watch me rip your head off? Would have had you. No, you wouldn't have. Oh, th th thank you, gentlemen. Bye -bye. Bret Hart on bye -bye. his way to the ring. Bye-bye. This should be a classic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Roddy, so. Roddy, Roddy Piper defending Not against today. the challenger. Let's get back to ringside. She be mine. Please. The whole time the promo's happening, like, you don't notice it, but he's got his hand in his kilt, and Brett grabs him and goes, I could have had you. And he goes, no, you couldn't. And he pulls the belt out of his uh, out of his kilt, and he's going to punch him in the face with it. And uh, they do the match, and... Uh, they do this back and forth, uh, babyface, babyface situation where um, Brett powders Piper out of the ring, holds the rope open for him. Piper powders Brett out of the ring, holds the rope open, and then where the match kicks out, kicks off is uh, Piper kind of almost goes back to his old ways. He lets him in the ring, good show of sportsmanship, and this it's a little subtle thing where he just he points to Brett's boot your shoes untied and Brett bends down and then Piper just uppercuts him in the face while he's bent down and that shot is what busts Brett open and he starts bleeding and and uh, again we talked about it with Austin and and uh Brett the blood thing wasn't supposed to happen between Brett and Piper but it was one of those things where uh Brett thought it would help for the match and so he subtly bladed himself and in the end, he ended up getting away with it, and, and Vince in the back really thought that uh, Brett had been busted open hard way. Meanwhile, later on the show, uh, Ric Flair and Macho Man had the same idea. Ric Flair tries to claim it's hard way, but blatantly on camera, he's <laughs> cutting himself with razor blade. Uh, but so Brett bends over, he gets that uppercut in the face, and that now the animosity is picked up, and like there's this real uh, violent nature of the match that begins, and. Um, we think that Piper might revert back to his old ways. And at some point um, they do a spot where, you know, whip reversal into the referee referees knocked down. And then, you know, Piper has this moment. Do I go out and do I go back to my rule breaking ways? So he grabs the ring bell and uh, Bobby Heenan, which, you know, can't be, um, you can't ignore what, commentators add to matches and it, it was no different in this situation with uh monsoon and heenan heenan on commentary going you know what the hell use the bell uh and uh piper's having this moment where he's contemplating it contemplating it and then he drops the bell and he doesn't use it and uh, it was the worst decision he could have made he locks on the sleeper hold and brett does that counter which is the same counter he uses at uh survivor series 96 with austin in their in their first big time match he kicks his legs up the rope, kicks him back, and uh, pins Piper for the one, two, three, and then they have this embrace after the match. And uh, it almost felt like in a lot of ways um, it was Piper's endorsement um, to Brett um, to kind of say, like, you know, I never lose to anybody. I lost to you. Maybe there's potential for you to be the next guy, you know, when it comes to, like, main eventing shows and stuff. And I thought that was a really powerful moment. And what I love is, and uh, what's, what I've loved about the last few minutes is, you remember that match beat for beat yeah so it's it's obviously stuck with you 
Like that's sure. powerful storytelling that is. But it was, um, yeah, I, you're right with like for me the the thing I it is you had Bret Hart who was this amazing wrestler and you had Roddy Piper who was just this incredible talker. So the whole package of Piper going, I'll lead the pre-match promo, and then Bret going, I'll lead the wrestling match, and it's perfect. Is there something that you took away from that match that maybe you still even use to this day? You know, when I have to do a babyface babyface match, uh, there's so many times that I take that story arc of. Um, good guy, good guy, wrestle, 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 something to the floor. Um, I'll help you in, buddy. Good guy, good guy, wrestle, 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 something to the floor the other way. And then I'll try to do some sort of transition where one of the baby faces doesn't necessarily turn heel, much like Piper. They just kind of become the aggressor. And uh, I always feel like, because because I think a lot of guys go into these good guy, good guy matches and think like, Oh, well, how are we going to do this match? It's going to be difficult. Like, it's almost like, um, I think the guys have, have the same attitude when you go into a triple threat match because, you know, triple threat matches are hard to do. Right. Um, but if you pick the right structure, it makes it a lot easier. So I feel like in terms of like baby, baby to kind of loosely go off of Brett and Piper from WrestleMania eight always helps really well because like someone doesn't have to turn bad in the match, but someone definitely has to be the aggressor and put on the heat, if you will, in terms of storytelling, it's no different in a triple threat match. Uh, I always tell guys the format that I use for a triple threat match, which ironically is another one of my favorite matches, but I think it has the best structure in terms of building a triple threat match from the ground up. Chris Benoit, uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 20. If you go back and watch that triple threat match, it's not one of those situations where most triple threat matches have a guy laying on the floor while two guys run a bunch of spots and then something happens and another guy comes in and now we run a bunch of spots. Like the pace of the match is constant. Like someone gets taken out, one spot gets run, and then somehow uh, the spot comes to the end very quickly or the guy that went to the floor somehow does something to be intertwined into the spot to take another guy out to then set up another spot. It's nonstop. If you go back and watch that match. And, uh, I think when I take that, that template for that, that triple threat match from WrestleMania 20, it makes building a triple threat match fun, which is hard to do because it's, it's a difficult concept. And I think it's no different with the babyface babyface thing. So that's what sticks to me about the, uh, Piper Brett match is just that structure because it's helped me so much as a performer. Three amazing matches for your DVD. This has been uh, an, an absolute blast to chat wrestling with you, Gregor. I know it's taken us a while to sit down and do it, but we finally got there and it's been worth every yeah. minute. Um, is there anything like this? The floor is yours now. Is there anything that you want to plug and shout about? Now is your time to do it, sir. Well, as we mentioned, uh, I do have the podcast, Iron on Wrestling, which I drop every Wednesday. And uh, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel with uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast, but I do think um uh, i offer a lot of good content and uh i'm actually starting to do stuff with patreon now uh patreon.com backslash iron on wrestling where i'm trying to offer bonus episodes audio and video content and uh you can get all that for just as little as five bucks a month which is i think is a great deal and i'm um, you know with bonus episodes i'm not like trying to be cheap about it. i'm trying to give you some extra hour bonus episodes and the regular podcast in general you know uh we do around two hours every episode. So it's uh, something that you can sit down and spread out over a couple of days if you want to. And uh, I think we're putting out some good content. So I think you'll really enjoy that. And in general, you can find me on social media, on Twitter at Gregory Iron, on Instagram at Gregory underscore Iron. I'm on Facebook as well. And uh, if you can't remember any of that, just go to my website, Gregory-Iron.com, where you can book me for pro wrestling and or speaking engagements. And of course, if you'd like the merchandise, ProWrestlingTees.com 
backslash Gregory Iron. I got old shirts that I'll never print again and new shirts, uh, stuff that you can wear in public, you know, and not be ashamed of. There was a whole era where it was like a guy with no shirt on walking through town is quite a difficult thing to explain to non-wrestling yeah. fans. Gregory, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.